This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. I'm Pastor Dan Yazel, welcoming you to Grace Notes, an outreach of North Taranaki Methodist Parish. I invite you to sit back and relax, grab a cuppa, and listen. May God surprise us and bless us in this moment. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Grace Notes. Today we'll be considering a passage from Genesis, the story when Joseph is reunited with his brothers.
reading actually comes from the New Testament. I'm reading from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, What credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Here ends our first reading. Thanks be to God. Make me a channel of your peace Where there is hatred, let me bring your love Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord And where there's doubt, true faith in you Oh, Master, grant that I may never so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace, where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. There is darkness, only light And where there's sadness, ever joy Oh, Master, grant that I may never see So much to be consoled as to console 
understood is to understand to be loved is to love with all my soul make me a channel of your peace it is in pardoning that we are pardoned and giving to all men that we receive Make me a channel of your peace. Make me a channel of your second reading comes from the Hebrew Scriptures, from the book of Genesis. I'll be reading from chapter 45, verses 3 through 11, and then verse 15. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive you for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord to all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, and go up to my father, and say to him, Thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them, and after that his brothers talked with him. Here ends our reading. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God of grace and redemption, God of calling and surprise. This story, these words travel through time to tell us of your love, of your possibilities, of your power to transform tragedy. May 
the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable unto you. Amen. Sometimes, maybe these times, the stories of our lives don't always go the way that we would like. Sometimes it may feel like the prayers of our hearts aren't always answered in the way that we want. Sometimes we feel like we are left to live out our lives desperately hoping for something to change, to be different, a different ending, a different course. Thinking about Joseph in this story now, how many years might he have felt that way? Going back to the moment when he was thrown into the well by his brothers and he was left there to die. Thankfully, what had happened back then was he was hauled up and he was sold to a traveling caravan. From that moment on, he was cut off from his family. What happened was Joseph became a slave to a noble man in Egypt. And after that, he was unjustly accused of seducing the nobleman's wife, and he's thrown into prison, where he sat, forgotten and abandoned for two long years. Clearly, Joseph was not expecting that to happen in his life. It wasn't what he had led to believe was God's dream for his future. If anyone had a reason to lose hope or to give in to despair, And to question God, it would have been Joseph in those early days. Sometimes we think we know how things ought to end up. Somehow, somewhere inside us, we've got a sense of the way things we feel ought to go or what we're entitled to, a kind of a story time, a storyline of what we've come to presume. This is how it's going to go. We have an idea about how the blanks should be filled in, but the truth is, things don't go according to plan. Silly story, but uh, the first grade teacher had a good example of how things can go surprisingly. There are well-known proverbs that she'd given to the children of her class. It was just the first half of the proverb, and she asked them to come up with the rest of it, wondering if any of the children might know them. Or, now, their answers, I think, can remind us to how our natural assumptions about the way things ought to go don't always work that way. Here are just a few examples of how the first graders filled in the blanks to some of our more familiar proverbs. Think of the traditional endings and then listen for the surprise ending. It's better to be safe than to punch a fifth grader. It's always darkest before daylight savings time. A penny saved is not much. And finally, if you lie down with dogs, you'll stink in the morning. Sometimes these common and familiar assumptions that we make about life, like a first grader's contemplation of a proverb, the way they would finish it out, doesn't always turn out the way we would expect. We expect health, and we're rarely prepared for disturbing test results that can come back. We expect to live happily ever after, but we can find life reduced to rubble when relationships are broken, 
or lost. We can have dreams about retirement, which can be suddenly shattered by economic crisis or unexpected disease. We know that children are supposed to outlive their parents and can hardly go on when we must bury them first. What happens to hope? What happens to faith? What happens to our understanding of God and our confidence in prayer when life takes one of those painful and unexpected downturns? For the best of us, it's a challenge. For others of us, it creates crisis. For some of us, life just falls apart, and God seems so very far away. But for Joseph, it's amazing to see how he chooses to respond to the painful places of his past, despite the betrayal of his brothers, despite all the pain, and in spite of the injustice, even with all of the abandonment and the grief, the story of Joseph's life will not be defined by the tragedies he suffered, but it will be defined by the God that he trusts. Now years, years have passed, and everything comes to a head when Joseph's brothers come down from Canaan to Egypt in search of food. They don't recognize Joseph at first, but as the text unfolds, Joseph reveals his identity to the brothers who had, years ago, intended to kill him. They wanted him dead. And ultimately, they sold him into slavery, and they're shocked. They're guilty. They're afraid. The brother they had sought to destroy, now he holds the power of life and death over their heads. Never was there a better reason or opportunity for revenge. But Joseph does not seek revenge. Instead, he seeks redemption. Somehow, through all the trials of his life, Joseph had the sense of God's presence with him. Joseph will not interpret his life simply by his own experiences and misfortunes. No, instead, he sees beyond the pain of his past. He's able to discern in all of it God's plan. Listen to the amazing perspective he shares. It. He says, don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Because God has sent me before you to preserve life. So it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. And then later, like chapters down the road, he'll say to them, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. Joseph's perspective on his life isn't limited to the problems he experienced, but rather is expanded by the purposes of God. He looks not so much at what he has endured from others, but what God can accomplish for others through him. What a change in perspective. Listen, the most powerful force in our lives isn't the garbage that happens to us, but the God who holds us. The most powerful force in our lives is not the grief we feel or the guilt that we may carry or even the grudge that we might bear. It's not our wounds or our sins or the places where we have been betrayed or hurt. Beyond the pain, 
beneath our hurt, bigger than the worst circumstances of our lives, is the grace of God that's able to bring out of the worst the best of hope. Out of pain and misfortune comes purpose of God. Out of the sorrow of suffering, the salvation of life. Joseph chooses not bitterness or revenge or blame or defeat, not hopelessness or despair, but he chooses trust. He trusts that underneath life's greatest challenges, God was still able to find blessing and unfold hope. Now, I think it's important to say that the point is not that everything that happens to us happens so that God can teach us a lesson. This text doesn't require us to conclude that every awful thing that occurs in our lives is God's will or part of the plan. What it does teach us is that we always have a choice as to how we will respond to the painful things. What does it suggest? If no evil that we experience or tragedy that befalls us is greater than the power of God's redeeming grace in our lives, we can choose to see the hard parts of our lives as either overwhelming tragedies or opportunities to trust. And I think the lesson in our scripture text today is that even in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances, God is able to redeem those experiences and bring forth out of the painful and distressing places of our lives something good. So while we well may and vividly ask the question, why? Why has this happened to me? The better question might be, how can I transform this tragedy and redeem this reality such that God's good can still come forth? The good news is that God's purposes are not derailed by life's problems. If our proof of God's love is the absence of pain in our lives, then our faith will always be subject to the circumstances of life that are beyond our control. But if our faith is in the faithfulness of God, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, then we will one day come to the point where we can say with Joseph, this may have come to me as evil, but God has worked out of it good. That's God's way. God never promises us immunity from life's sorrows, but God does promise us grace upon grace that can bring forth some of those, from some of those sorrows, something good. Hopefully in our lives, we've seen people model for us a transforming faith that takes the challenges of their lives and turns it into God's redemption. I hope we can point to family or friends, parents or grandparents who have been able to transform what could have been dark threads in the tapestries of their lives into part of the pattern of God's redemptive work in the world. God's promise is not the prevention of pain, but redemption of all our experiences. It's what we see in Joseph's life but even more fully in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus took the worst evil that the world could muster and through the power of his death and resurrection transformed that tragedy into our greatest hope. 
the truth is we always have a choice. How will you, how do you respond to those dark thread places in your life, as painful as they are? Can they become, will you let them become a place where God's good can yet be revealed? May it be so for you, for me, today and always. Amen. So that's all for today. I hope you've caught a glimpse of grace through this time. You're invited to join us for worship and fellowship Sundays at 10 a.m. at New Plymouth Methodist Church, the corner of Weardit and Powderham Street. Until next week, God's grace and peace be with you. This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air.